When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into the latest edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Hughes. Oh, wait a minute. I'm not Evan Hughes. I'm Will Stewart, the founder and general manager of Tech Sideline. Evan is uh, out on break, so uh, you got to put up with me today, and uh, we'll see how that goes. So uh, um, this is episode 105 of the TSO Podcast. Today is a Belk Bowl preview. Probably talk about uh, basketball a little as well. So we'll bring you up to speed and we'll go through our uh, predictions and uh, we'll see how it goes here. So uh, I'm going to be doing a lot more reading from my my sheets than Evan does. Evan's very professional. He just wings it. Um, so let's uh, let's get started. Uh, we've got managing editor Chris Coleman here. I wasn't exactly sure with just two guys on the set. Sorry if you're just listening and you're not watching. I wasn't exactly sure with two guys on the set uh, where to... Uh, sit you know if, if you should sit on the couch or if you should sit over in my seat so we're going uh i mean if push comes to shove we could always put malcolm's head on the couch <laughs> for, for we're, going, we're going mano a mano and facing <laughs> I, off i'm just table. happy i can finally see the tv screen because sometimes ah. y'all puts up something up there and ah. i just can't see it that's interesting yeah. okay we'll have to take that into into account for planning a future tsl podcast <laughs> we also have a special guest today which you will neither see nor hear we have with us uh nick brown radford high school senior class of 2020 Nick has uh, been accepted to Virginia Tech and is going to uh, um, be a part of Bill Roth's uh, sports media and analytics program starting next year. So Nick is here to observe, and he doesn't know it, but he's a possible future podcast host. So Chris, I know you're big into redshirting, so look at it this way. Yeah, yeah, he so, can redshirt and develop behind Evan next that's year. That's right. Evan will be a senior <laughs> next year, and Nick can redshirt, always be a redshirt, and he can be good to go as soon as, uh, as, soon as Evan graduates. See, Nick doesn't know any of that, so I'm just looking at it. He's like, oh, okay. All right, let's see. Uh, so we'll probably, you know, we can have Nick host four podcasts next year without blowing his red That's shirt. right. That's exactly so, right. So Nick lives locally, so we could get him to do the uh, Christmas Vacation podcast. That's true. Right. Yep. Maybe even do a, little, do a little Chevy Chase rant at some point. Yeah. All right, so this week, let's, let's get into the sponsor promo. This week and every week, the TSL podcast is presented by the Fisher Law Firm. Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg, not Roanoke, Jonathan and I texted about that. He no longer has a Roanoke office. The Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the firm has defended more than 1 billion people charged with moving violations, so they have a lot of experience. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll-free at 1-800-680-7031 or email us at fisherlegal.com. And let me check my sheet and see if I've left anything out before we get going. I don't believe I have. So we have to, if Evan was here, Evan would talk about Christmas. So Chris, tell me about Christmas. How was Christmas? Oh, well, I went home for 24 hours like I always do. <laughs> it was fine. Uh, came back 
Christmas Day, the afternoon of Christmas Day. Went to the gym, worked off all the ham biscuits and such on Christmas Day. So how many people were there at the gym on Christmas Day? Uh, it was a decent crowd. Not uh, not quite as many as there on Thanksgiving Day. But it, was, <laughs> it was a decent crowd. That's yeah. right. So, yeah. um, see, Chris breaks his parents' hearts every year. He just goes and visits them for 24 hours. Uh, they're, they're around Chatham, Danville? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, so guess what I did? I bet I could give you 15 guesses and you would never guess what I did the day after Christmas. Oh, you told Although me. Although I think I told you in the you office You did, so the I could day. guess. Well, I yeah. bet these people guess. <laughs> I mowed my lawn. Yeah. Okay. And it had an interesting effect on the neighborhood. Uh, quite a few other people mowed their lawns in the days following me <laughs> mowing funny. my lawn. You're so, not allowed to have the best looking yard in the wintertime, buddy. <laughs> like, yeah. It just made everybody else look bad. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday, by the way. Ah, I knew I was leaving something yeah. out. It, it is my birthday. Yeah. Double nickels, 55. Oh, yeah. Yikes. I don't feel 55. <laughs> Remember, you know, remember when you're when you're you're young, you think, well, first of all, when you're really young, you think 30s old. Mm-hmm. Then you realize when you're 30, you're like 30s not old no. at all. Um, I no longer even think that 60 is all that old. <laughs> so um, I'm I don't know. I'm headed down that hill towards 60. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm trying not to think about that. We should we should talk about football. We should instead. talk about football. So let's get on to the Belk Bowl preview, and uh, I think that. Uh, I think the opponent, Kentucky, is uh, this is just a really interesting opponent. I would agree with that. Um, I don't know what's going to happen in this game. <laughs> Everything's unpredictable. Yeah. Um, you like to say a game like this will probably come down to turnover margin, and then you actually look at Kentucky's turnover margin on the year, tied for 62nd, 0.00. They have the same amount of turnovers as, as wow. they have turnovers forced. So you can't even make an accurate prediction as far as uh, – as far as turnovers go, um, they don't they don't put the ball in the air a lot, and they don't right. pitch it a lot either. Right. Um, so so let's get into that. Um, I mean, Kentucky's a heavily run based offense. Mm-hmm. So I, I know you studied up on this. We've actually already run our game preview on the site, so it's kind of weird to be doing a podcast where after the preview. yeah we usually do the podcast before we right. run the game preview. But but just give people the rundown on Kentucky's season and what they did with their offense five games in. You know, five games in they had quarterback injuries. They moved to Lynn Bowden from wide receiver, who was their leading receiver, by the right. way, and is still their leading receiver. Right. They moved him from wide receiver to starting quarterback, began running a run-heavy offense, and he ended up rushing for over 1,200 yards yeah. on the year. I think he's had over 200 yards in each of his last two games. Man. Uh, dynamic rusher, was a, was a top 100 recruit coming out of uh, high school in Ohio, uh, went to Kentucky, has already declared for the NFL draft, but will still play in this game. So kudos to him. Yeah, kudos to him, uh, for, for sure. Especially when he's going to be playing a role where he's going to get hit a lot in this game. Yeah, it's not like he's going to be able now, to now, avoid. Do you know off top of your head his height and weight? I don't know. Um, oh, I, for, I forgot to print out the yeah, roster card. Um, too. Probably, I wanted to say he's around six one, two hundred. He's not a small guy, but he's not a huge. Not guy huge either. either. Yeah, uh, Fuente said in his press conference a couple of weeks ago. He said when he turned on the film, he was surprised how big Bowden was. Hmm. So he must Bowden. be what Bowden. I know. So so let's get in that. It's, it's spelled Bowden. It's pronounced it's Bowden. Pronounced Bowden. Um, and that's now, not going to be the only time I make that mistake. Yeah, we, we've podcast. been calling him Bowden around the office. Yeah. And, and so I actually, in preparing for the podcast last night, I actually pulled up three separate videos of Kentucky games, mm-hmm. and all three announcers called him Bowden. So right. it's spelled Bowden, but pronounced Bowden, and we'll make that mistake a lot. Though. We will. I will, at least. Um, <laughs> at any rate, I think he's probably one of those guys who looks bigger 
on film than, than he actually is. Yeah. So that, that's probably what uh, made uh, Fuente make that comment. But apparently he's he's a really he's a real dynamic athlete and is going to be difficult to tackle. Um, so that that worries you because Virginia Tech, what happened with Bryce Perkins? But he's not. Bryce Perkins is not a great passer by any stretch, but Bowden is not a good passer at all. Bowden's not even an average passer or a below-average passer. Well, he is an awful passer. He's started uh, seven games at quarterback. Mm-hmm. They've thrown the ball about 70 times, and that's it. Right. And he's completed like 32 of them or something like in the, that. In their last game against Louisville, which was a 45-13 to 13 win, by the way, they threw two passes. He completed one of them for four yards. and they But they rushed for over 500 yards and, and won the game by 30 two points yeah so i think we'll get into our predictions later but i think in in uh um trying to figure out what's going to happen in this game and and we'll get we'll get back to some of these details that we're talking about later i think i I made the mistake of paying too much attention to that louisville game if you go and watch the highlights of that louisville game kentucky just demolished them louisville doesn't play a lick of defense you know, and and but if you go and look at Kentucky's season as a whole, um, yes, they're the number four running offense in the country, something like two hundred seventy yards a game. Yeah. But and, and and they've played well lately, but I think they've won four out of their last six. And but you know, it hasn't well, been. They went three and five in the SEC, and their right. three wins came against Vanderbilt, Missouri, and Arkansas. Three teams that combined to win four four sec games all year three of those by missouri right so they're just not they haven't beaten anybody good unless you count louisville as good they're decent they don't play any defense i watched louisville versus wake forest earlier this year when it was just a touchdown fest i'm like gosh can either one of these teams play defense so i'll give kentucky credit for for stopping louisville they only gave up 13 points and then we'll get into the kentucky defense in a little yeah yeah that's that's the thing to worry about i bowden could rush for 200 yards that doesn't mean they're going to have a there that doesn't mean they're going to have a great game offensively yeah um i mean he's i mean he could rush for i think he rushed for 199 yards like against arkansas or something like that and they only put up 24 points right so it because they can't throw it i mean if you if you can make them one-dimensional if you completely shut down the passing game then yeah they're gonna they're gonna be able to run it they're gonna run it between the 20s but it might get tougher on them in the red zone it's it's, it's harder to run the ball in the red zone because let's the see are there. So, compressed. so it's interesting so they're re- so as you're talking i'm looking at a couple of team stats um, their scoring offense is 26 points a game, and that's tied for 84th in the country. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're lighting it up. They have they have an excellent defense, which we'll get into soon. But looking through their game notes, here's a couple of uh, of interesting notes. Kentucky scored 38 plus points in their last three regular season games for the first time in school history. 38 plus points in the last three regular season games for the first time in school history. Right. They've had five victories this season by at least 21 points. The first time that's happened since 1951. So, um, if you look at the stats, they're they're not exactly lighting it up in terms of points. But if you look in their game notes, and, and yes, yeah, game notes have a habit of making the the uh, the oh, the, they're going to point out the, the home team for look sure. good, yeah. right? So, one other thing with their my mind is red zone offense. Um, I don't like the way the NCAA keeps red zone uh, yeah, stats I agree. they just do total scores they don't 
They, what if you never score a touchdown and you kick a bunch of field goals? Right. Well, that means if, you're a bad red zone offense, you'd be but here number, you'd be 100%. Yeah, yeah, you'd be the number one offense in the country doing nothing but kicking field goals. Uh, so anyway, the red zone offense, they score 78.4% uh, of the time, and that's 95th in the country. That's not good. Mm -hmm. So I think that goes to your point of once they get into uh, the red zone, the a rushing field attack gets compressed. becomes more yeah. difficult. Um, so in, in looking at film of Bowden, what I saw was a guy who is, um, he's very decisive. Uh, he's fast. He's not a burner, but he is fast. If he gets behind you, you're probably not going to catch him. Mm -hmm. Um, he's fairly physical. He breaks tackles. Uh, he's not a, a dynamic, uh, Michael Vick, Lamar Jackson type of shaker and baker. He's just very decisive. Mm -hmm. and um, also in watching the way they run their offense. So they're the number four rushing offense in the country, and everybody in front of them, I think, runs the, the triple option. I think it's – I haven't looked to see who's in front right. of them, but service academies Navy, and things like that. Sure, yeah. So I think if you don't know anything about Kentucky, there's this uh, tendency to think, oh, they must run some sort of option attack also. Not really, uh, you know, and, and jump in here at any point and correct me, but – the the film I watched, they have this. They they run a lot of read options. Yeah, yeah. That un, unlike a a Georgia Tech Paul Johnson type uh, spread option, they'll have three and four receivers. Yeah. In in, in the formation, this is a traditional offense. Yeah. They just run it ninety percent. They just of the run time. it a lot. Right. And one of the trickier things they do that that I think. Well, it's not tricky, but one of the things that they do that I think defenses struggle with is they will they will hold the mesh point on that read option. Wake Forest style. Wake Forest style. Um, and Bowden will make the – when Bowden makes the decision to keep the ball, the running back becomes a lead blocker. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot UVA of – style. Yeah, and, right. and a lot of defenses struggle with that. So Yeah, it, it becomes – you get an extra blocker out there. Uh, the free hitter gets blocked, so to speak. Um the good thing is that, you know, they do some things that Virginia Tech has seen before. Like, for example, the, the late mesh, uh, or the late decision on the, on the mesh, like, like Wake Forest does. Uh, it's, it's just, it's such a unique matchup that makes it difficult to predict. Um, since we're talking about their offense, let's talk about Tech's defense. The pitcher circulating yesterday with Caleb Farley and Jermaine Waller in street clothes at right. practice. Now, we had heard that Farley was not going to play in this game. And yeah, that pitcher so, seems to confirm it. So the back spasms, I was reading some stuff by Andy Bitter at The Athletic because I just hadn't had a chance to you know keep up. Um, the back spasm issue that Farley had against UVA that kept him out, that's really been an ongoing thing all year. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and they've just kept it quiet, of course. If, He'd if had it, one heck of a year for somebody mm -hmm. who's had a bad back all year. Yeah, so um, what did I, what, there was something I wanted to add about that. So that's not new. Yeah. Um, and so, to your point, we had been hearing that uh, he's not even going to play in this game, and that's not a that's not a Caleb Farley. Uh, uh, this game doesn't count, so I'm not going to play in it. Well, he missed the UVA game for the same reason, you know, and he was dressed for that game. He had his yeah. face paint on, everything, fully intending to play in that game. Yeah. We've even heard rumors that he might have to have off-season surgery. Right. So it's not just like a muscle pull. Or something like that. It's 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 a deeper issue. And if you've got an injured back, you need to get it fixed ASAP. Yeah. Because with a back injury, it's one of those things. It could affect the other parts of your body, um, based you on how you carry yourself to to, right. to minimize the pain. Yeah. So he needs to get that fixed. But if he's out, and then Jermaine Waller, if he might not play, uh, that means Quillen, 
and Armani, uh, Armani, Armani Chapman, Chapman. are the starting corners. It doesn't bother you so much from a coverage standpoint in this game because uh, Bowden's not not a not a very good thrower, and they don't throw it that much at all. It does make you worry, like maybe maybe the old Georgia Tech it like like two years ago. Georgia Tech completes two passes, but for like both yeah, of them for fifty yard touchdowns, right? <laughs> uh, so that's what concerns you with like Quillen in the game because he's not good at coverage. Now, what could become a benefit is that historically Quillen is Virginia Tech's best tackling corner yep. out of everybody on this team. Yep. So against the run in this game. It might it might be good that he'll be on the field. Quite frankly, it's also a good matchup for uh, Tremari Connor. He's a guy who has struggled to a certain extent against slot receivers and coverage. Well, he didn't have to worry about that too much in this game. Um, Virginia Tech is going to play him close to the line of scrimmage, and uh, he's going to have opportunities to attack the quarterback and shut down the run, which is his specialty. So in some ways, I think this is a good matchup for Tech's defense. You just worry about if 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 both your corners are going to be hurt. I guess this would be the game where you want the them game. to be hurt. But at yeah. the same time, if one of them does, all it takes is one blown coverage. If Kentucky gets one touchdown from their passing game, that then that's a plus one. All right, we, Tech has to completely negate that. If 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 they because Kentucky's going to be able to run the football, they do it so much they're going to do something on the ground. Right. I would consider uh, surrendering like a long passing touchdown in this game. That's just handing them points, you yeah. know. And this is this is this is too close of a matchup on paper to hand them points. It's, it'd be like handing them a special teams touchdown or something right. like that. Yeah, or some you know a, a, a fumble, fumble return, or, yeah, or a pick six or yep. something like that. Um, yeah. It, you know, with with Kentucky averaging 26 a game but having a really stout defense, and we'll get to that in a second, this should be a low-scoring game. Mm-hmm. So things like turnovers, long touchdowns, special teams touchdowns, yep. defensive touchdowns, those are going to matter a lot, and that's a big deal. Um, all right, so what else do we need to go into about the Kentucky offense? Um, I'll say this about Bowden. <clears throat> you don't see too many guys these days, top 100 guys, now, granted, you don't see this partly because they're just not asked to do it because nobody's ever in this bad of a position at the quarterback spot. But Bowden has NFL aspirations as a wide receiver, and the fact that he was willing to switch to quarterback in the middle of the year says a lot about him. Yeah. And the fact that he's declaring for the draft and still playing in the bowl game says a lot about him. Yeah. Um, he's actually he's very active on Twitter. He actually responded to me one day. Because uh, on the day the bowl matchup was announced, I knew nothing about Kentucky. <laughs> I just looked up total offense and total defense for my news and notes article about the bowl and did no research. Uh, and I just tweeted out, first, uh, my first thought, Kentucky's defense is very good and their offense is very bad or something like that. And then he responded to it. He's like, we'll see. Yeah. So he's very into this game, yeah. uh, I think, uh, for, for Kentucky. And good for him. I don't know. You you never know what intensity level guys are going to bring to bowl games these days, but I have a pretty good idea we're going to get his best shot. So there is a uh, there was a video making the rounds uh, yesterday about a a quote unquote altercation at Charlotte Motor Speedway between a verbal altercation. I don't no shoving occurred, no punches were thrown or anything like that. A verbal altercation at, at Charlotte Motor Speedway between Virginia Tech and Kentucky. And the schedule was that the Tech players showed up at 10, did their thing. They get rides around the speedway and, and race cars and stuff like that. And the Kentucky team was scheduled for 1130. And that's the way they do this bowl stuff. 
they've they've uh, most bowls have learned over the years not to have the two teams you know present at the same events at the same time why would and, you and I'm not a deep student of this stuff, but that may go that may go back to Penn State versus Miami way back in 1985. Uh, do you do you know anything about that? Do you know the legend of that? Mm-hmm. So Miami was a really really good team in 1985, yeah. and I, I, they were playing Penn State, and I think it was in the Fiesta Bowl, and Miami was a was a heavy favorite, and you know people can jump in on Facebook in case I get the details wrong, but that was that was part of how Miami built their reputation was they showed up for some, uh, there was an event and the Miami and the, the players, are, I think it was a dinner or something like that. And the players are supposed to dress formally, you know, wear a suit, whatever. And Miami's players show up in fatigues. Oh, I remember that, that from, ring from, a bell? The, from the 30 for 30. Right. Yeah. Right. The 30 yeah. for 30 that glorified Miami's behavior. Cause it was written directed and produced by a Miami graduate. Sure. Um, and I can't stand how often they run that thing, but that's another topic. Um, and, and I think there may have been a lot of jawing going on at this dinner, but anyway, Penn State got the last laugh. They went on to win the game. Uh, so supposedly there was this verbal altercation between Virginia Tech and, uh, and, uh, uh, Kentucky and, um, the, the, there was a video put on Instagram and I think that video has been removed because mm-hmm. when you click on the Instagram post, it's oh, just it was a, a Kentucky pitch. player who yeah, it's posted a, it, right? I think, I think Bowden may Bowden have posted it. Yeah. Like I said, he's active on social media. <clears throat> um, so, uh, it, apparently the Virginia tech players, their, uh, trash talking was directed at Bowden. Um, and so I, uh, our photographer John Fleming was there, and I said, uh, "Did you did you witness this altercation?" And, and all John said was, "I saw the end of it. Let's just say it didn't make either team look good." Right. So right. A lot of profanity and that sort of stuff. And then I, I texted Andy Bitter this morning because Andy was there, and I asked him, "Did uh, did you see it?" And he said, "No, nah, he totally didn't see it." Right. So, um, I'll, I'll say this: Avon, <clears throat> our other photographer, was at the Notre Dame game. And he said at the end of the game when Notre Dame players were walking off the field, he said Notre Dame players were were telling each other, man, Virginia Tech talks a lot of trash. Uh-huh. So Virginia Tech is apparently a big trash-talking team. Yeah. Uh, but you can't tell it from the stands because these guys got helmets on and everything right. like that. But apparently Virginia Tech talks a lot of trash. I did read somewhere where most of the Tech guys involved were backups. Yes. And that's not a good sign. Uh, I remember a story from uh, Frank Beamer's book, Turn Up the Wick. He's talking about in the 80s when they're playing at Clemson. I think it might have been his first trip to Death Valley. So Virginia Tech runs out on the field first, and he's on the sideline, and they're waiting for Clemson to come down the hill or whatever. And he looks up there, and a bunch of his players had run to the end zone, and they were waving Clemson down, Hmm. like, like, talking mad trash to him and he then he realized oh man all those dudes are backups it was all the second third string players at the end the starters are over there on the bench being being quiet and he's like it's not a good thing when your backups are talking trash they're not even going to get in the game and you, they're your starters and they're are making it here. worse for the starters right exactly and clemson won that game by like 40 kentucky's not going to win this game by 40 right but honestly if if tex if anybody up there is talking trash for tech, I would want it to be the starters. Right. Uh, reading that it's some that it was mostly backups involved, and I didn't watch a video myself, so I don't know. But by the time I got to it, it I think it had been removed. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I, I think it's probably overblown. Yeah. But but I, I do think tech's players just just based on what the Notre Dame player said after the game, I think it wouldn't shock me if 
tech players maybe started that a little bit. So there's the there, there's all kinds of trash talking you can do. I was watching, uh, I think it was Memphis and and Penn State, and uh, uh, Penn State threw an incomplete pass, and the the Memphis defensive back talked trash, and he did the old head bob. Mm-hmm. Multiple. He must have bobbed his head like ten times. You can't do that when you give up fifty three points. That's 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 look at me trash talking. Right. You know, when you're yeah, bobbing yeah. your head, you want people to see you're talking sure, trash. Sure, sure, sure. There's a lot of trash you can talk, and people don't even know you're doing it. And one of the best at that was Larry. Larry Bird. Bird. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I've told that story before. And we should tell it some other time about how he. I mean, he he baited Julius Irvin into taking a swing at him. Oh, and Julius yeah. Julius is one of the classiest guys ever. But yeah. But Larry uh, Larry got him to take a swing at him. So uh, all this discussion. The other thing I want to get out there is talking about Bowden playing in this game. Um, I watched. A lot of uh, Miami's bowl game against Louisiana Tech, and of course Miami, Miami lost, which surprised nobody. You know, I mean, all the discussion going into that, at least on on the TSL message boards, was that um, you know that Miami wasn't going to be motivated, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm sure enough, they weren't. They weren't even motivated several mm-hmm. years ago to play Notre Dame in the Sun Bowl. Their players were sitting there throwing snowballs at each other on the right. sideline. So uh, Shaq Quarterman played in that game. He's a yeah. four-year starter. He's, he's a he's been such a good player for them. Yeah. Um. And I, I feel like I say I feel bad for any Miami player, but <laughs> you but made I, your choice. I, I, he made the choice, but I would take Shaq Quarterman. I wouldn't take very. I would take plenty of their players' yeah. physical talents. Yeah. But you know, he's one of the few guys on on their team where I'd be like, okay, yeah, bring him up here. He can play. But now, granted. He'd play Ashby's position, so we don't need him. That that just had a whole. I, I shaved my legs for this vibe about it. Like, yeah. really, really, Shaq played in the game to have that happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but there was a discussion. I can't remember who the announcers were for the game, but but they talked about and and if you watched any of the bowl games, there is a lot of talk about players skipping bowl games. And I've heard at least two different color analysts say words the effect of, you know, when players started doing this. Um, four, five, six years ago, I, I think one of the big ones was uh, Stanford running back. Um, uh, Camp Burkhead? No, maybe? That, was, that was Nebraska. Gerhardt? Uh, McCaffrey? McCaffrey. I think McCaffrey was one of the early guys to skip a bowl game. Yeah, you know, I remember. Don't jump all over me if I'm wrong. Uh, this was about four, five, six years ago, and everybody's like, oh, that's terrible. And and these days it's it's becoming much more common. In that game, Miami had, I believe, four guys not playing. Because Trevon Hill skipped it, and and Trevon Hill was one of them. Yeah, he skipped to prepare for the NFL draft, and one guy from Louisiana Tech did. Uh, apparently, they had a really good cornerback. Yes, uh, they do. Actually, he was one of the best PFF cornerbacks in the country. Yeah. So so the color analysts are starting to say, you know, I get it, and I don't really look down on the guys for it now. But they also said one of the things that's starting to uh, – an opinion that's starting to take hold in the NFL with GMs and scouts and things like that is they really respect the guy that does play in the bowl game. No doubt. Stays committed to the team. And they think that says something about his character and – you know, we're painting with a broad brush here. That doesn't make everybody that skips a bowl game a bad guy. Yeah, I think it depends on the bowl game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, nobody's going to skip a big one, but, um, you know, the the Independence Bowl, eh, you know. Yeah. Well, not to put myself in Trevon 
Hill's shoes or even agree with anything Javon Hill does. But <laughs> has ever said but or listen, done. <laughs> listen, if I played for Miami, or I thought Miami was going to lose that game. Right. I think most people thought Miami was going to lose that game because you think Miami is going to show up for an Independence Bowl game the day after Christmas against Louisiana Tech? Oh, Absolutely not. So if I played for Miami, I'd be looking around my teammates. I'd be like, you know, these guys are going to physically be there at the ball game, but they're not going to play. So there's no reason for me to even show up. And then, I, I, so I might skip it if I played for Miami, sure, but because I just know that nobody else on the team is going to take the game seriously. And and, and Trayvon's, he's, you know, I, I don't know the guy. and, and He and, plays hard. Yeah, uh, but he's also, you know, he, he's at Miami. for He was at Miami for the visibility, I think, you know. Um, uh, I, we don't even know what kind of interest he got. I mean – he, right, Miami from, doesn't. From other schools, Miami doesn't care about his past. Right. How, how many other schools w- would have would have taken? Like, you think do you think Clemson would have taken him? Right. No, no chance. Clemson would have taken. Yeah, he's him, he's right? a he's, he's a, good enough physically to play for Clemson, but he would have been an awful fit. And they don't they don't need to take somebody like that if you're Clemson. A potentially disruptive guy for just one year. Right. You know. I mean. That he he doesn't exactly stick out like a sore thumb at Miami when it comes to that, I'm sure. <laughs> no. All right, let's see. So uh, we did, I've got here in my notes, it's pronounced Bowden, not Bowden. So we got that <laughs> taken care of. So let's let's talk about the Kentucky defense. Mm-hmm. I think that's everything we wanted to wear, about, wear out about the Kentucky uh, offense. Um, I just kind of to sum that discussion up, I, I don't see – Kentucky piling up a uh, the one thing that worries me is is run fits from the safety position. Absolutely, um, yeah. That, that, that's been the biggest concern all year against the run. When when Virginia Tech's safeties play well, Virginia Tech's defense is a dominant defense, yeah. really really good defense. Um, but when they play bad, the UVA game happens. Yeah, I but I think. I, I think your point about this being right up Chamari Connor's alley yeah. is is a is a is a really good point. Um, and didn't you know? So help me remember this. Twenty eleven. Uh, nobody wants to talk about the twenty eleven Sugar Bowl against Michigan. No, we don't. But but Michigan had Denard Robinson. Yeah, was that his name? Yeah. Oh, and, and I was really worried about that game. That is one of the game. best games I've ever seen. <sighs> Bud awesome. Foster coach. Oh, they were, and the, the whole defense was just incredible. But wasn't part of the game plan taking a player? Was it Alonzo Tweedy? Uh, maybe it, uh, a guy who ordinarily. Uh, didn't fully grasp the whip position, right? And I think Bud Bud looked at Michigan's offense and said, "This is not a passing offense, right. man." I'm, gonna, I'm pretty sure it was Tweedy. We're just gonna have this Tweedy guy shot spy him. If I remember I, I correctly, remember. Tweedy had an awesome game. Oh yeah, he did. I remember. Uh, I forget which Virginia Tech defensive tackle was a true freshman that year. I think it was uh, Corey Marshall. Mm-hmm. I remember him busting through the line one time and sacking Denard Robinson and, and Robinson. Tried to juke him and just couldn't go just anywhere. Couldn't Tech was so quick. Um, so that's a, that's a good comparison, actually. Um, I, I don't remember Robinson's size and everything, but I remember being really worried going into that game, and the Tech defense absolutely dominated. Oh, and, and that was a game that Virginia Tech could have won by three touchdowns, so let's move on. And, and when that was a game that a couple of fluke plays. You know, yeah, I remember, uh, didn't they, like, didn't they try to kick a field goal and like we blocked it, but they recovered it? Or they rec- something? they caught it like inside the five and yard ran it for line. a first down. Yeah, right. They caught it for a first down and then scored. And then there was another play where, um, gosh, I blanked out. Uh, 
I mean, everybody remembers the uh, the fake punt by Virginia Tech, oh. but but there was another play. Oh, I, I think it was a. It may have been a fourth down where where Michigan threw a pass that got tipped and they uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and Tech was up six nothing and went for it on fourth and about a half a yard with a sneak and did not get it with yeah. Logan Thomas. I remember he tried to run all the way around the left of the line for some <laughs> reason instead of going right up the middle. Um, we're not, of course, we're not having even mentioned Danny Cole, but at, at any rate. Right. Yeah. But that's depressing to even think about. Um, but, yes, good comparison as far but, as But back to the goes. top, do you remember the game where uh, uh, Bud, um, against Pittsburgh, where Bud unleashed Daddy Nicholas? Yeah. Uh, uh, put him out on the edge. Had stood him, him up a lot. Stood him up. Yeah. Had him, had him rush from the end, and he wound up having three sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so Bud has shown a propensity for having something special for these unusual yeah. offenses. You know, uh, taking a player that ordinarily wouldn't fit against a team that can stretch all parts of the defense, but using him very effectively, you know, in certain situations. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, and the other last point I want to make here is, you know, teams, different teams treat different ball games differently. The one way to look at it is this is Bud Foster's last game, so he wants to go out with a bang. And he hadn't – his focus has been 100% on coaching. He hasn't had to worry about recruiting in the month yeah. of December. He could spend all his time game planning. The other side of that is is it's a bowl game, so there's relatively little pressure. Um, so the other side of that is it's a good test run for Justin Hamilton to put a lot of his fingerprints on the game right. plan and things maybe like call that. some plays. And... Yeah, who knows? Uh, so it's it's hard to say exactly how they're treating it, but I, I, I my personal feeling is that Bud's probably going all in on this one. Although who the heck really knows? I don't think Bud's happy that they just got rid of Charlie Wiles. Right. Um, and, and and Bud has told the press that he's and, told the press and, that. And although I haven't seen Bud, I have friends who have seen Bud since that yeah, happened. And, same. and you know, Bud's Bud's upset about yeah, that. Yeah, he's not uh, happy about that. So the, that's an odd dynamic. Yeah. Uh, when your defensive coordinator is mad that you just did not that you chose to not renew the contract of maybe his best friend yeah. Charlie Wiles, and he's still coaching the game. The defense is dedicating this game to Charlie Wiles, who just got fired. Yeah. That's just an odd dynamic. That only happens at that can only happen at Virginia Tech. Yeah, it's 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 very odd, and um, and we'll get it. We'll get into the non-offense and non-defense issues later. But there's also the the issue of the turnover that Virginia Tech has had on the on the defensive coaching staff. Mm-hmm. The fact that they've got in one case uh, a GA, I believe, Barber coaching the defensive yeah. line. Yeah, so uh, Prelo coaching the corners—that's fine. That, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, so, so we'll get into that yeah. that towards the end, and we'll kind of try to see what the effect of that is. Um, so let's move on to the Kentucky defense. So let's look at some stats here. Team stats: <clears throat> uh, passing yards allowed, fourth in the country. Mm-hmm. Team pass efficiency defense, tenth in the country. Total defense, twenty-first. Scoring defense thirteenth. Yes. So this is a by by most measures a top fifteen defense. And they didn't just rack it up against some bad competition. Uh, against power five teams, I think they only only give up nineteen point three points per game. Yeah. And against teams with a winning record, they only give up exactly twenty points per game, which is right. Overall, they give up eighteen point four. So, mm-hmm. so, so they they've played very well against no matter, against everybody. Uh, here's the amount of points they allowed against SEC competition this year: 
29 to Florida, 28 to Mississippi State, 24 to South Carolina, 20 to Arkansas, 21 to Georgia, 7 to Missouri, 17 to Tennessee, 14 to Vanderbilt. They haven't allowed any SEC team to score 30 points this year. So it's very – if Virginia Tech breaks 30 points against these guys, it would be something that no SEC team has been able to do all year, um, which would be extremely impressive. That's why most. That's why everybody's predicting this game to be in the 20s. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking and, and quick math on my head. In the last six games they've given up, if I'm doing the math correctly, 79 points. That's 13 points a game in right. the last six games. And those opponents are Georgia – Missouri, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, UT Martin, and Louisville. Right. Say what you want about Louisville. Louisville's offense has been they pretty are good. good this year. They are good. Now, that game, to be fair, was played in awful weather. Yeah. It was so it was kind of like saying, well, Virginia Tech's defense did play great against Pitt. Don't get me wrong, but Pitt's offense is terrible, and putting a terrible offense in the rain is not conducive to scoring a lot mm-hmm. of points. Louisville's offense is not terrible, but – they are limited when you have when you're relying on a passing game like Louisville is to a certain extent you know that that game favors Louisville a little a little bit more but uh their defense is really really good the numbers show they're the biggest defense that I can ever recall writing about and I've been writing oh you need to put the paper down in case the camera's on right (laughs) (laughs) um the biggest defense I can recall and I've been writing game previews for TSL since 2005 I guess even I, even I don't even think of those Alabama defenses were as big uh, as far as the defensive front goes. Their linebackers are regular size, maybe even slightly smallish, but their nose guards. This is a three-four team that can morph into a four-two-five, four-three, whatever you want to call it. Um, their nose guards. Their starter is six-four, three-sixty-one. Which seems big until you look at his backup, who's six three three seventy one, and they're going to be lined up head to head over top of Virginia Tech's true freshman center Brian Hudson. Yeah. And this will easily be the toughest challenge of his career. Hudson's a big guy; he's about three hundred pounds, but these guys dwarf him. Um, they dwarf everybody. To be yeah. fair, um, they've got a defensive tackle who will actually line up head up over an, a Virginia Tech offensive tackle who's six nine, three hundred and ten pounds. Uh, Taylor, right? Uh, Calvin Calvin Taylor Jr. He has yeah. seven and a half sacks this year. Six nine, three ten. Three ten. Um, that's not. That's kind of. This is going to sound weird. Clearly, skinny. he's a big, he's a big muscular dude, but that's kind of thin when you're six nine. Yeah, it, it know, is in football terms. In, in football yeah. terms, but. You know, depending on the technique you're taught, it's 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 it would be very difficult to win a hand battle with him because he's so long. Yeah. He's one of those guys. It's like it's like boxing. The, the short arm guy against the long arm guy. You got to get inside of him. Yeah. Um. You know. Uh, so you've got to find a way to get inside him to be able to block him, which not many teams have been able to do this year. Uh, their other defensive lineman uh, is pushing 300 they've even got a position that they list on their depth chart as defensive end slash outside linebacker right which shows that they that they're a multiple front defense and this guy is like 6'4 287 so they're just massive up front i think the 287 pound guy is like their smallest guy yeah in the front four so so they're massive so, so all that said um the 
the least impressive part of their defense is their mm-hmm. rushing defense, and they give up 151.6 yards a game, which is 59th in the country. 59th. The rest of the Middle defense of the is, is elite. I mean, their pass defense right. is elite. Um, it's still it's so odd, though, that I still feel like Virginia Tech has to pass the ball in this game because <clears throat> Kentucky is yeah. so big. Yeah. And, and, I, and I just – I feel like that's a bad matchup for Tech's offensive line, Kentucky's size and strength. You know, ever, ever people who never played football before like to say, "Oh, it's the end of the season; the freshmen aren't freshmen anymore." <laughs> but they don't understand that. That okay, maybe they're they're not as inexperienced as they were at the beginning of the year. But freshmen don't become sophomores until they they have that full off season in the weight room. This right. is a physical. These, these kids are not lifting and putting on muscle. Br- Br- right, Brian Hudson and Doug Nestor still haven't seen a college mm. weight room. Right. Right. What goes on during the season in strength and conditioning is you maintain. Right, you do your best to maintain, and then you lift heavily in the off season to improve your strength, and then the next season starts, and you just try to maintain it because you right. don't want to do heavy lifting during the season because it affects it's exa- your. It's exhausting. It's exhausting, and, and, and it. <laughs> takes away from your performance on Saturdays. Yeah. So um, uh, that 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 freshman comment, that's I think that's more of a college basketball comment. Yeah, you're you're, you're comment. probably right. Um but it's it's going to be a difficult matchup for Virginia Tech's offensive line in my opinion. Uh two sophomores, three freshmen for the most part up front for Virginia Tech and these are bigger experienced defensive linemen for Kentucky that have been in a weight room for anywhere from three to five years. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's just not – you don't see Virginia Tech getting much of a push on this front. Uh, I don't think their linebackers are, are very good. I think their defensive end slash outside linebacker is, is, is good, I think, but, but their, their inside guys aren't very good. Um, one of their corners, I, I think, has been a little bit of a liability, although we don't know exactly how many snaps he's going to play. Um, it'll be interesting to see with with a month to prepare how Brad Cornelson attacks them. I remember thinking a couple years ago, Tech didn't stand much of a chance against Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State came out, or excuse me, Tech came out with a really good game plan and yeah. probably should have won the game if it wasn't for a turnover inside the five. And Tech ran line. the football really well. Yeah, they, they they ran the ball really well, which wasn't too surprising. That was a Big Twelve defense, and they don't stop anybody. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, uh, well, so my guess is that this Kentucky defensive line, uh, I'll admit uh, I've watched their offense play more than I've watched their mm-hmm. defense play. My guess is that this defensive line is really good about uh, um, pushing upfield, but they're not particularly quick laterally. That's probably accurate. Um, now, Brandon Patterson said in his uh, article about Kentucky's defense, your your first inclination is probably to think about, well, run some jet sweeps on them. But you know, he, I think he made some a comment to the effect of Kentucky's had a uh, a month to game plan for that and prepare for that, and uh, I mean, I think UVA handled it pretty well. It, that that's what that's my main worry is yeah. uh, given when both teams have had a normal amount of prep time, Virginia Tech's offense offensive staff has outcoached the opposing team's defensive staff. I know people don't like Cornelson, but nobody ever likes the offensive coordinator. I I don't think people understand how limited you are when you have two sophomores and three freshmen on the offensive line. Virginia Tech's smoke and mirrors offense this year with the misdirection to disguise the weakness of the offensive line, and it actually worked. It was one heck of a coaching job. It's one of the best in-season coaching jobs offensively Tech has ever had. In my opinion, that that was a Ricky Bustle level coaching job. Uh, Bustle could always adjust to his personnel, right? And Cornelson did a really good job of that this year. Then you get to the UVA game. UVA play has a bye week. 
then they play Liberty, and they play Tech. So basically have three straight weeks to prepare for Virginia Tech. And they snuffed out all of those misdirection plays. Early on. Early I mean, on. Eventually, Virginia Tech did score 30 points. Well, but, they they but, did. But you go back and watch the first 10, 15 plays of that football game. I mean, Virginia Virginia Tech was one of only two teams to gain 400 yards on UVA this right. year. Right. So they eventually got it sorted out and did right. a pretty decent job. But just right. Not at the beginning. Not at the beginning. I mean, you, those throwback passes to the tight end that they love so much, they were just all – UVA all, was parked on They were those. parked on them. The running back screen, they were parked on. Yeah. And so that's that's the worrisome thing about Kentucky. Kentucky has excellent defensive coaches. And this is Whew. a really good, experienced defense. And they've had the entire month of December, almost, to prepare for this game. And that's only happened to Tech once this year where the, where the other team has had – the better part of a month, obviously, to prepare for Tech's offense, and it didn't work out well. So that's the worrisome thing to me heading into this game is yeah. Virginia Tech's great strength is their misdirection, their ability to fool opponents. But the longer you have to prepare, you know, if, if I'm coaching Kentucky, I'm like, look, if you see something that you don't recognize that, that, that looks like it could be tricky, just play soft. We'll give up five or ten Stay yards. In your lane. Right, that's yeah. fine. Just just don't let them burn you for for a big play. Um, just play it very conservatively if you see something that you don't that you're not comfortable with. So that that puts the onus on the Virginia Tech offensive coaching staff to to come up with some new stuff. Something new, yeah. And I'm not necessarily talking about trick plays. I mean, you know, that you run two or three or four trick plays in a bowl game. You got seventy other plays you got to run. Sure. Um, and and in in in. in Thinking about this, uh, I wanted to make the comment that, uh, you know, Fuente and staff usually prepare really well for a bowl game. And mm-hmm. then I thought, dude, is that really true? I mean, they got down 24 to nothing to Arkansas, you know. So th- so that's not always true. Right. But uh, um, we'll see what they come up with. And, and I, you know, my, my take on, on Brad Cornelson is I, th- I think he's a good offensive coordinator. I don't think he's elite. Right. You know. Right. Um, so uh, and but one one comment while you were talking, I was thinking about Kentucky. Yes, this is a very good, I think, a very good defensive coaching staff mm-hmm. that they've got, and the adjustment to to pull Bowden in at quarterback in the middle of the season. I think this is one of the better coaching jobs I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> to to be able to make that work. Now, now let's let's consider Kentucky. Like last year, they went ten and three and beat Penn State in the Citrus Bowl. Yeah. They were very, very good last year. Yeah. The only difference between last year's team and this year's team is the lack of a passing game. Yeah. If this team had a passing game, whether that's Bowden passing or whether that's one of those injured quarterbacks being healthy and Bowden playing wide receiver, they're good enough running the football and they're good enough defensively. They'd be a 10-3 and football team. If yeah, again, look, look at yeah, they might have beaten. Now Florida ended up ten and two and only beat Kentucky twenty nine twenty. That's the only mm-hmm. Kentucky game I watched that this year. Mm-hmm. But, but this was before Bowden was a yeah, quarterback, yeah. and you know it's September fourteenth. I'm not envisioning that Virginia Tech's going to play Kentucky in the so you just kind of have watched. So yeah, you don't pay a lot of attention. Um, they lost to Tennessee by four. That would have obviously been a win. Yep. Um, South Carolina's a, a bad football team. Well, and uh, is South, South Carolina, when they lost 24 to 7 in the fifth game of the year, that's that's when. That the, was the turning point. That's when that, the coaching staff. It was the very next and, week that they put Bowden in at quarterback. So, yeah. you know, the, the, this is a team that. 
like I said, the core of the team that beat Penn State in the Citrus Bowl will be playing Virginia Tech in the Belk Bowl. They lack one thing that they did not lack last year, and that's a passing game. But other than that, it's basically the same team from what I can tell. So they're very, very capable. But at the same time, that one weakness is a huge weakness. Yeah. You know, the, the saying, you're only as, uh, you're only as strong as your, as your weakest link. And uh, their weakest link is very, very weak, to be fair. Uh, now, unfortunately... Virginia Tech, you know, Virginia Tech's strength on defense is manning up on the outside with Waller and Farley. Yeah. Even if both those guys were healthy, I don't think that matters this week because Virginia Tech's biggest strength, it's not like it negates Kentucky's biggest strength. Right. It's matched up against her. It just means Kentucky won't complete any passes. But Yeah, that's an interesting yeah. point. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, take a break and do our Fisher Law Firm sponsor promo. Now, I don't think we have the – 30 second commercial that we usually run for Jonathan. So I will just, uh, I will reread the sponsor promo this week and every week. TSL podcasts are presented by the Fisher law firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic related offenses from their office in Blacksburg. The Fisher law firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the firm has defended more than 1 trillion people charged with moving violations. <laughs> For a free consultation, <laughs> call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031 or email us at info at fisherlegal.com. So many thanks to Jonathan for sponsoring the TSL podcast for, well, we've had the podcast. You know, this is episode 105 and he's, he has sponsored every single one. Yeah, uh, It's about two and a half two and years. Half. I guess you're right. Yeah. I think we started, well, it's probably about three years. I think we three started years. middle of middle of the 2016, 2017 year. Okay. All right, so let's see. Um, I think we covered the Kentucky defense fairly well. I don't think there's anything else I need to add there. Um, uh, so let's let's talk about some general topics. First of all, well, we all were, already covered Caleb Farley. I I, th- I don't think Caleb Farley's playing, but uh, oh no, no, I would bet that he's not. I have no idea about Waller. Yeah. So how um how dialed in do you think Virginia Tech is? with the changes to the coaching staff. You know that 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 could go in one of two directions. I've heard we've heard one of the one of the uh, things Fuente said to the staff back after the UVA game when he started making staff changes and some of those interim guys. We heard he basically said, you know, we want, we want you to coach for the time being, like like you're, like you're coaching every day is well, a job interview. Is a, every day is a job interview, yeah. right? You, you know, if if like if you're Pearson Prelo and you want to be our cornerbacks coach, well, here's here's your audition, right? Um, so from that standpoint, we we don't know that Pearson Prelo didn't play just as big a role as Brian Mitchell this year in the development of Farley and Waller and and guys like that. So I, I feel good about that. I don't think it necessarily matters who's coaching Virginia Tech in this bowl game. You do worry about, like, what do those defensive linemen think about not being coached by Charlie Wise? Yes. Uh, like Pollard and Kendricks from Florida, they were both recruited and coached by Charlie Wise. Yes. So their earliest exposure to Virginia Tech was through Charlie Wise, and they get to campus, and every day Charlie Wise is, is coaching them. So it's going to be different for them, for a pair of true freshmen. Um, some of your some of your more experienced guys, uh, the very few experienced guys that are on this team, it's, it's not going to bother them very much. Um, so, sometimes staff shakeups, 
you know, that they can refresh you in the short term. They're not necessarily good long term. Sometimes it's the other way around. around, Yeah, Yeah, it it puts you into a state of uh, confusion early on. Right, right. But but long term, you're better off with it. So I I don't know what this is going to be for, for Virginia Tech. I, my gut feeling is I don't think the staff change is going to matter for this game. Um, to me, the bigger issue is is Hooker healthy because there's a rumor going around that he hurt his knee this weekend. Right. I have no idea. We have no clue if that's true or not. Um, but I, I don't think Virginia Tech stands much of a chance to win this game if Hooker can't play. Um, so to me, that's the biggest key. Um, and Virginia Tech's defense and, you know, whether they shut down the Kentucky offense, if they go out there and do what they did to Denard Robinson in 2011. I really then, think the the more we talk about it, the more I think that's going to come down to the safety run fits. Probably. I think if Diablo and yeah. Floyd play a good game against the run, um, that that's a that's a good harbinger. I, I think that I think that's an accurate statement. Um, and Virginia Tech's defense, defensive performances have tech, outside of the second half against Duke that they haven't had. And I guess the second half of the second half against UVA, yeah. they haven't had a bad defensive performance this year. Their defensive performances have have ranged from average to top to notch. Really good, yeah. And the difference between average and top notch is safety play. With yeah. their peak this year, when Diablo and Floyd were playing really well, the Tech's, de- Tech's defense was playing really well. But when those guys had a bad game, the defensive performance dropped off to average. Yeah. So yeah, I would agree with that. How how those guys play in this game will probably decide how well Tech's defense plays. So I do like in another general topic. I I, I kind of like that there was a verbal altercation at the Speedway. You know that that uh, I, I I like it is, but if it's all Tech's backups, <laughs> I don't think it matters. Well, I hope I it think, indicates that the whole team's into it. You're maybe. right. Maybe <laughs> who who knows? Uh, but but yeah, one of the guys supposedly involved in it was Farley. Dude's not even playing, probably. Yeah, so, yeah. so that 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 doesn't do anything for me. But <laughs> if there were starters involved with it, okay, fine. But Lynn Bowden's obviously into the game. So, yeah. yeah. As far as which team is into a bowl game and which isn't, that's always been kind of a crapshoot. Yeah, it, it really has. Yeah. It, it, so, I'll, I'll although be, I'll, for, for Virginia Tech, have you ever had the feeling after a bowl game you're like, oh, Tech just didn't play hard. They didn't care about that game. Hmm. Um. Okay, fair or not, right off the top of my head, what that triggers in me is the uh, Sun Bowl against UCLA. Right. To be fair, we both thought they were going to get smashed going into that game. But I remember the thing that, that really enraged me about that game was when when Logan Thomas got drilled on what would be a, a, a lay-down targeting call these days. Should right. have been a targeting call right. back then because the yeah. rule existed back then. Virginia Tech's team didn't respond at all. Right. They they knocked Logan out with a helmet to the chin, and Virginia Tech's team didn't get fired up at all. They didn't go try to fight anybody on defense after. Yeah, no, yeah, you know, yeah. and so that right off the top of my head, that was that was an odd ball. I remember when Tech first got to, where was that game? El Paso. Yeah. Tech Sun Bowl. Tech lands in El Paso, and they get off the plane, and I, they just immediately put a sombrero on on Beamer's head and have him dancing with all these girls. Oh, and I'm just like, how, everybody gets off the, 
plane and then they have dancing girls with them and you're like how are you supposed to focus on a Where, ball game? are we in hawaii right, right exactly uh, so uh now i don't remember the the er, the details no. early on of the 2016 belt ball but you know. yeah that that was just a case i think tech just played bad okay. it wasn't that they didn't go out there and play hard or, or anything like that because i think if, if it's a situation i don't think you can turn up the intensity level like if you don't play hard in the first half it's really hard to get that back see in a i'm not so sure time. about that I, because gerard evans was a guy who could rally a team well and, and rogers is the ones that, get, that gets credit for that oh yeah um yeah if you read i think at cory van dyke's no 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 uh it was tech talk live they did in richmond with okay with, i with didn't Mc, read those with mclaughlin and, and and rogers was there and uh and everybody on that show was like well remember about the belk bowl was uh sam rogers at halftime hmm. so that was a rogers thing all right yeah all right. um very cool. but 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 a rogers and and fuente has said it, it's like we just didn't play well in the first half okay yeah it right. wasn't an intensity thing uh, tech played well early in the sun bowl like that was a tight game it uh, was better like than 10 I thought to they seven would. Yeah, yeah 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 they, they were hanging in there um generally like like they got blown out by UNC in the Gator Bowl, but UNC was just oh better. Uh, they got they got blown out by Tennessee in the Gator Bowl, but Tennessee was just better. You know, I I went back it, when, when Tech played in the 2009 Chick Fil A Bowl against Tennessee. I went back and I watched that 94 um, Gator Bowl, and yes, Tech got stomped, but it wasn't as bad as I remember. Uh, they they didn't play bad in the first half. Tennessee was, yeah. was just making plays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had some guy Peyton Manning, right? You it know, was pretty good. And they were just making plays, right. and then Maurice started throwing the ball to the yeah. to the wrong color yes. orange. So just off the top of my head, I, I don't remember a situation where Tech hasn't played hard in the bowl game. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, um, so I feel right, good so, about it from that standpoint. So Malcolm, how far into the podcast are we now? Whoa! Oh wow! Okay. Okay. Probably time to. Make we some we picks so and... so let let's let's do one more topic and then we'll take a couple okay. of questions. Um, let me see how I have this, have this written down. Uh, I have my answer to this. You tell me what your answer is. Does it matter who wins this game? <laughs> it's a bowl game. Yeah. Well, it's it's no, it doesn't. Honestly, although if Tech wins it, I think it'll matter. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll matter if Tech loses. I mean, if if Tech loses, you can just look back and say, "Oh, didn't have Faller, uh, Faller." I just combined their names, <laughs> Farley Faller. and Wall, and maybe Waller. A uh, bunch of defensive coaches missing. Um, who knows about Hooker? Uh, you never know about a bowl matchup. Who plays hard? Now, if Tech wins it, though, because I, I do think Kentucky, in a lot of ways, is a tough matchup for Tech. So if Tech does go out and win it, and they go nine and nine and four, just sounds a lot better than eight and five, doesn't? Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. yeah. So if they go nine and four, you can sit there and say, "Ah, oh, man, they were an injured quarterback away from winning ten games because they would have beaten Notre Dame with, with Hendon Hooker instead of Quincy." Yeah. Um. So I think if Tech wins, it'll matter. Uh, from the perception of the fan base, but I, I don't think our fan base will spend the off season in any kind of deep depression if they lose. No, I, I would agree with that. Here's why I think it matters. Um, uh, and, and you and I have talked about this and written about this and, and I, I won't call it a rant, but uh, you know, I, I think that uh, the outside world puts too much importance on bowl games. Correct. And the, and the preseason rankings for the next year. And, and like that's that. where I'm headed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penn State won their bowl game. I think they ended up 11-2. and two. Right. So they'll, they'll be a preseason top they're the, 10 they're team. The number 10 top team. Five. They're right. the number 10 team in the country, and they ended with a win. And they only have 10 seniors. Uh, and, and they, yeah, I don't know how many of them like start, that. but they yeah. only have 10 seniors. Um, 
Virginia Tech has five or six seniors and only one. They'll of them probably starts. lose twenty two running backs to the transfer portal though. Penn State? Yeah. Uh I don't know. Uh 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 what's his name? Uh which one? Devin. Devin Ford got well, well, they, Devin they got, Ford they scored got, a touchdown. They got three freshmen and he's the, the worst out of three. So they well they give the ball to Journey Brown. Journey Brown, I think, is his name. Uh Noah Kane's are number two, right? Noah he's Kane. He's a freshman. Right. He's a freshman. But Slade's but, third. But they but they let Ford score a touchdown and even Slade had a carry or two right, in the game. Right. So anyway, uh so they're gonna be eleven and two, top ten. Uh Virginia Tech, I think if they close nine and four with a win over Kentucky in the bowl game, I I think Tech is a is a even without that would be a top 25 team. I think if they win this bowl game, you know how the pollsters are, I think they'll put them top 20. Right, I agree. Like, if they lose this game, they'll probably be like 23rd to start the season. Mm-hmm. But if they win it, they might be like 16th, 18th, something like that. Right, so but that, that makes, magn- it, makes that early season matchup that look a lot. magnifies the yeah. week two matchup. It means it's more likely to be a night game or something like that. Right? Yeah, a night game yeah. on Saturday. Now, sure. yes, yes, I hear the cynical fan, and, and I, I even kind of go there. Your battery's running low. <laughs> Your battery's running we low run on a laptop. We run a big-time big operation here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> High tech. Um, so what was I uh, – what was I – Gosh, I uh, totally lost my the train perception of, of winning. Right. So, um, yeah. So the cynical fan and my brain kind of goes there, anyways. Yeah. When was the last time Tech had one of these hyped up games in Lane Stadium? Actually, won it. You know, and you can do the Notre Dame game in 2018, the Clemson game in 2017, the Ohio State game in 2015. Well, then it, the last time Tech beat a ranked team at home before this year, before Wake before Forest, Wake Forest was wow. Nebraska. Right, something like it was. That. It was. It was ten years ago. It was something Nebraska, like two thousand nine. Now Virginia Tech hasn't played that many ranked teams at Correct. home. It's weird right. if, if you go and look. They haven't played that many, but you're right. So, but nonetheless, you have to keep getting these opportunities. Right. And and you know, for Virginia Tech, for Frank Beamer, it turned with the nineteen ninety five Miami game. Mm-hmm. Everybody talks about the ninety five Sugar Bowl. It was really the ninety five Miami game. Um, Justin Fuente knee and his team they need that moment where perception of the program agree elevates and yep. and you don't get that uh, unless you have these high profile matchups right. eventually you're going to win one of those and you hope it's a springboard to some right. other stuff so, i agree with that so that's why i think it matters um not because i personally think it matters but because it matters to other people so um i believe that we are ready malcolm to take some questions from facebook live we'll take two or three and sorry we Went on for an hour, but uh, that's I guess we that's do. good. That's good. Without yeah. Evan, we still managed to fill an hour, even though the opening was kind of awkward. One question about the bowl game. <clears throat> Who's it from? Let me find it. It's way up here in the comments. See, one question about a bowl game that is tomorrow. <laughs> I know I know. Tech fans in Charlotte. That's because they're all down in Charlotte. <laughs> nah, I actually know one or two fans in Charlotte who are not going to the game. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You got a bunch of birthday wishes. Ah, well, thank you. Uh, Chris Skin... How do you spell it? S-C-A-N-N-I-E-L-L-O. Skinello? It is Italian. It's Italian, for sure. Chris. Chinello. The S S is silent. Chinello. Anyway, we don't know. (laughs) Do y'all feel Kentucky is more emotionally invested in this bowl? Um... I don't, I don't more necessi- than tech. I think they're emotionally invested, and I don't know if they're I, I more emotionally invested. I don't think invested. there's. I know at the end of the game, if tech loses, that's what people will say. Yeah. And if tech wins, Kentucky fans will say that about 
it'll be the other way around. That's just how fans are after bowl games. I don't think there's any proof one way or the other leading up to it. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think there's any way to know. I think I think Bowden's emotionally invested. Yeah. Um, and and he's, he's the leader. He's the guy that sets the tone. Yeah, so. for, for sure. Um, yeah. You know, afterwards you'll hear, if Kentucky wins, if Bowden runs for 200 yards and Kentucky wins, you'll hear, oh, you shouldn't have talked smack to him at the Speedway. Right. I think they're into it. Yeah, I, th- I think both teams will be into it. That's just my personal opinion. So, I don't, so, so to answer the question, no, I don't think Kentucky's more into it. But I, I, I do I do get the feeling that they're into it. i got a lot of respect for Stoops as a coach. He's in his seventh yeah. year there. Yeah. And up until really this job. year, the record was gradually Increased improving. each year. Yeah. yeah. So he's done – and their recruiting's gone up. I think they signed the number 22 class in the country, right. which is darn good right. for Kentucky. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> Eric Fisher, what's your uh, national championship predictions, if you have any? I actually think LSU will win. Yeah. Um, I, I just – what – I mean, they – not to say that suggested Clemson or Ohio State wouldn't have crushed Oklahoma because they would have. I think it's clear that Oklahoma is the fourth best team in that playoff because yeah. they don't play defense in that league very much. But uh, I, I just feel like LSU is is probably due for it. Um, uh, it should be a really good game, though. Um, Clemson, Clemson for a team that blows everybody out all regular season almost, except for you know they have one game a year where they almost lose. Like this year it was UNC. Yeah. For a team that doesn't face adversity very often, they do a good job of responding to it when they do face it. Like they were down, were they down nine or ten? Thirteen. Yeah. I, believe, I believe it was thirteen nothing. Yeah, and and, uh, and then came back to win the game. And they wound up winning twenty eight twenty. I think so. I don't, I don't remember the final. Or twenty. Yes, yeah, uh, I think I think they outscored uh, Ohio State twenty nine seven or something okay. like that. Yeah, from, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, so they were impressive from that standpoint. I, I just have a feeling though that, that LSU is going to win the game. Um, Orgeron, man, the, <laughs> the guy. It's it's a matchup of very similar coaches. Neither coach has been a coordinator, um, and neither coach is really an X's and O's. Not guy. at all. They're yeah. they're a sideline clapper and recruiter and everything like that. Orgeron, man, when he was at Ole Miss, they went ten and twenty five. His yeah. last year at Ole Miss, they went zero and eight in the SEC. Yeah. So you think that guy's not a good coach, right? Well, whether or not you're a good coach, a lot of times depends on the situation you're in. Mm. Now, a guy, he's not going to be a good coach at Ole Miss because Ole Miss isn't going to have as much money to spend on a great coaching staff around him. So he's not a good enough X's nose coach to do it all himself. His strengths were wasted. Exactly. Yeah. And at LSU, they can spend millions on his coordinators yeah. and probably half a million on a defensive line coach and things like that. And he can just do what he does best. Give motivational speeches with his recruit. funny accent and recruit. Yeah. So my my take is, uh, um, I, I I said on Twitter that I thought Clemson was going to smoke Ohio State, and and then the game started, and I thought to myself, you know, Clemson has not played this level of competition right. pretty much at all sure. this year. So it took it. You know, you could tell they were a bit taken aback, and the <laughs> the biggest surprise to me was I thought they got thoroughly out coached early in the game. Right. Um, but but they they finally got their bearings, you know, and and yes, there there was a targeting call that helped, and there was a, a, a catch call that helped. But uh, you know, once they got their feet under them, they did sort of smoke Ohio State. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, the best team they played all year was their own backups. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I, th- I think you can sort of write that off because they, they just in, – in Ohio State, they just played a really good, really talented team. So I don't think they're going to be taken aback when they take the field against LSU. But yeah. I, I, if you ask me to put money on it, I'd probably pick LSU even though I'm rooting for Clemson and I know that might make some I, actually, fans mad. I, I, hmm. think, I don't know what the opening line is or if it's been set yet, but I, I expect it's somewhere close to even. I would expect. Uh, I think that's going to be a really good game. Four. Nick says four. four. That sounds. Who's Cl- favorite? Who's favorite? LSU. LSU by four. Okay. Man. Yeah, I could, I, that that sounds about right. So, did you look that up just then, or did you just know it? He, he already knew it. All right. You're so hired. Nick, Nick knows some stuff. <laughs> wow. So, if, if you're carrying around all this sports knowledge in your head, it makes you a better host. That's right. Um, okay. Next. Uh, Thank Brian you for the question. Matt, yeah, Brian Matlock. Does Tech have breakaway speed? Seems like several times we've been caught from no. behind. No. no, um, nope. I, I think the the guy who's most likely to to break away on something is uh, Keyshawn King. Um, he needs to get a little thicker in his midsection. Um, what's cost him on some of these long runs is he's getting hit right here and he's just going down. And it's taking just enough out of and him, or right, it's taking him down. Right now, mm-hmm. next year, you know, after he does some squats. Uh, who knows if you know some of these high school kids they don't take the weight room seriously and we don't even know if that guy's even done real leg workouts before. are the worst yeah <laughs> they are exactly uh but you know if, and you see some guys like i saw some recruit recently there was a video of him online doing squats and it's like 600 pounds as an 18 year old or something like that and if you watch it he's nowhere close to being parallel right. and the guy that's spotting him is kind of Helping him Kinda up and help. down, everything like that. I'm like, yeah, that's not how it works in college. Ben Hilgert's <laughs> not going to give you that that much leeway. So that's not uh, count. Once he gets some time in the college strength and conditioning program, he might be that guy. He's actually, I would say, t- similar to Herbert, the grad transfer from Canada, minus 20 pounds. If you look from at Herbert, Canada or Kansas? Did I say Canada? You said Canada. That's weird. <laughs> it's got um, Canada in the brain. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Kansas. Anyway, from Kansas, um, <laughs> from the University of Canada. What, what made me say that? <laughs> I don't know. But, I derailed you, but yeah, um, yeah. But but if you look at his long runs, like against BC this year, yeah. they all came. He would get twenty yards downfield, and he'd break a tackle. Yeah. And you know they'd hit him in his legs, and he just wouldn't go down. And then he would run by him after that. Yeah. King gets twenty yards downfield, and then gets hit, and he goes down. After some time in the weight room, when he's four years into college, three years into college, like Herbert, he's going to break more of those tackles. Well, we hope so. I mean, some, well, you guys, hope some so. guys can't put on weight. Right. Deshaun you know? McLeese. Like me. Like me. doesn't matter how many squats I do, my legs are not getting bigger. Right. Uh, McLeese, <laughs> McLeese never put on weight, right? Right. Not, uh, not a, yeah, not in the legs. Right. So, um, <clears throat> so no, I, so, I do so, not see. So I don't see breakaway speed. I, I, I think Turner flashes it sometimes. Trey Turner, yeah. Um, and his a lot of his is, is also balanced too. Like he he's skinny, but he does a good job of kind of avoiding tacklers sometimes, brushing them off. Yeah. Um, Tavion Robinson is a guy who's got good side to side movement, but he has very average. He's like, he's straight like a four ahead. seven or four yeah, eight. Guy yeah, yeah, exactly. He's, he's not fast straight ahead. So so yes, Cole yeah. Beck does have breakaway speed, but Cole has not seen the football field yet. Right. Exactly. So. Uh, so yeah, I would I would say no no nothing that I would regard as like elite breakaway speed. No, no Andre and, Davis or and, Eddie Royal. Uh, and who's the uh, who's the uh, JUCO transfer? Marco Lee is that? Oh, his he's two hundred twenty five pounds. Yeah, okay. He's, he's not, he's gonna, not gonna, gonna be a breakaway. Yeah. He's a power guy. Yeah. All right, one All more. Right. 
I think we'll do one more. Uh, Evan Hughes asks, <laughs> <laughs> who's we that hack sitting in the host chair? And how bad was that opening? <laughs> I should have just read it. <laughs> Question for Chris. What's coming up on tech side? <laughs> <laughs> Man. Uh, well, I plan to write a basketball column this afternoon. Yeah. Which because is good timing the, uh, for um, ACC all the- schedule starts on Saturday. There's no game this week, so it's time for a basketball column. So, so let me jump in and say, kudos to this team for for not losing that at a conference game. Right. I went there back to no Alabama State. And, uh, Seth Greenberg lost, had a bad out of conference loss his first year. Buzz had, a, I don't remember what teams they were too. I think Buzz was Alabama State. Buzz, no, yeah, Buzz was Alabama State. You know who sure. didn't have what I consider to be a bad out of conference loss his first year was James Johnson. That first year. No, I don't think he had one that first year for sure. No. I think he had one his second year. I remember they started out like 8-0 his first year. It was yeah. like 6-0, 7-0, and then they lost to West Virginia close. Yeah. And then they came back and won one game in Castle, and then it wasn't the wheels fell off after yeah. that once yeah. all the fil- film got out. So so kudos to, to Mike Young. Ricky and, and Stokes had one every week. <laughs> uh, R- Ricky Stokes. <laughs> Ricky Stokes was the one who got Mark Berman fired up on, on – on losing to uh, mid minor teams or which whatever. One? I don't know that, that's when one. Mark Berman started keeping track. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway, what was the question? What what's coming, coming up? up this week? All so right. basketball column, most most likely. Um, I didn't get a chance to do a Q and A on Friday because we ran so many other articles on a short week. Uh, I'm sure Jason Stain will send us some articles. I will have a Friday Q and A this week. I will have a column on the bowl game. Probably on Thursday. I don't think I'll do it on New Year's Day. And I think I'll wait to do mine next week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, and it's kind of hard to plan content because you don't know when the last two coaching hires are coming. Right. Because you don't know where those guys are coaching right now. I have a pretty good idea where one of them's coaching. Yep. Uh, and he'll be in the NFL playoffs. Um, but we don't know when his team's going to get eliminated. Right. Whether it's going to be this week or the week after or, or whatever. Speaking uh, of the NFL, how about my Dolphins yesterday? Oh, yeah. I actually Seven watched. Seven catches for Ford. Yes. He, now, he didn't have a lot of yards on any of them, but he made some tough catches. So, Isaiah Ford had seven catches for probably about 65 yards. And and so, the Dolphins won five out of their last nine games. Okay, so I stopped watching the Packers, right? Okay. Right. Or, so, the Packers are 13-3. and three. Had a wow. good year. They won on defense. The Packers were 0-2 when I watched. Wow. And – they're, they're two wins ago against Minnesota, I watched the first half, and the Packers outgained Minnesota 250 yards to 75 yards, but yet we're losing the game 10-9. to 9. So I stopped watching it at halftime, and the Packers won 23-10. I believe you have so, unlocked the secret. Uh, right. Don't watch. But I, but I wasn't done talking about the Dolphins yet. <laughs> so they, they go into New England and beat New England in New England. Right. And I just – um, I, I don't hate New England. I just hate the way they've dominated. I, I, I didn't really hate the Bills back in the day. I just hated the way they dominated the Dolphins. <laughs> right. yeah. You know, and New England does the same thing now. Occasionally, Miami will pull a pull a win out of their hind end. It's not the get, first time I've seen them beat the Patriots, right? But yeah. most of the time, they beat them in Miami. But uh, I was doing some work in my office yesterday, cleaning up a massive mess in my office. And I had the game on, and it just kept going. And going and going and and I finally had a lot of interest in it because Isaiah Ford was playing in it and and it wasn't like he came in here and there he pretty much played the whole game I yeah. think he may have even started I think a press conference last week he was the first person Belichick talked about no kidding yeah well good for him yeah. man because he's starting to catch a lot of passes and he's, they're not big plays but they're typical Isaiah Ford 
good, strong hands, just a solid player, knows he, how to he run shook routes. shook off a couple tackles here and there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is his third year in the NFL, right? 2016 was his first, last year. First extensive playing time. Remember, he was yeah. on the injured reserve his yeah. rookie year, yeah. and then up and down from the practice squad last year. I think maybe he caught three or four passes yeah. last year. And even this year, he didn't get into the rotation. He, I think he was even on the practice squad to start the year. He didn't yeah. get into the rotation until the end of the year. But I always thought he was one of those guys – if they put him into a game, he would catch passes. He's he's just a good natural football player. And he's a guy. He's a guy that uh, again, I don't follow the NFL very closely, but I, I think he's probably the kind of guy that can fill out your your wide receiver roster without costing you a bunch of money. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Now his issue is he's probably not athletic enough to help you on special teams. Mm-hmm. And for the fringe guys. That's probably why he was on the practice squad instead of the active rosters because they couldn't really find a spot for him on, yeah. on special teams. Uh, NFL careers can start and end on a dime. I remember when Jarrett Boykin was playing a lot for the Packers, uh, but he wasn't that athletic of a guy. He was on the kickoff team because um, he, he was big, but he went from being a ma- playing a major role for the Packers to not even on an NFL roster. Yeah, in one it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's brutal <clears throat> if you're a fringe guy, but, but Ford's – put himself in a good position right now I, I just i just think ryan fitzpatrick is such a fascinating guy he's been in the nfl 14 years now he was, went to ivy league school where do you go yale harvard brown something no like that, that i don't remember yeah, he they didn't to, talk about he that. went to an ivy league school but he just uh um he's really smart he has taken no shave november all the way through december um and but he's just he's just uh, it's so fun to watch him because he just doesn't get worked up about stuff. And and they ask him, you having fun? You know, this guy's been in the NFL 14 years. He's playing for a losing team. He's like, yeah, I'm having fun. And they say, you want, you want to play for this team next year? And he goes, oh, yeah. Well, that's so cool. Well, and, I mean, you get to live in Miami. Right. Um, You've been in the league 14 years, so you're not seeing anything it's new. It's house money at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 All right. Very good. Appreciate all the questions. And uh, so I, I think that'll wrap this one up. How, how far into it are we, Malcolm? Yikes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. that's typically our limit, so like 75, right. yeah. 76 minutes. I told John Fleming we would be ending the podcast around 1045, and he could come by the office at any point after that. And it is 1049. That was pretty close. So, so uh, are you – I know I'm going down to Charlotte. Are you going? You're not going, correct? No, no. I've figured out that – one of us should always like mind the fort. So got to got to yeah. cover the message boards. Yeah. Yes. So I'm I'm going down with Russian Hokey. We're actually going to have two photographers down there, uh, John Fleming and and Yvonne and uh, or Ivan, and uh, Corey Vendek's going to write the game up for us. I have a press box pass. I'm probably going to sit in the press box. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I'll I'll do the tweeting and you know notice all the clever stats and things like that yeah so that makes uh, sense and the cory can if, if you're doing stuff like that then cory can start cory can start working on his game recap exactly. for the games even exactly over. yeah we'll double team it yeah. all right so appreciate everybody uh thanks for watching and listening to episode 105 we're going to start saying what episode number they are yeah and uh, did i remember to say that we're recording on monday december 30th my birthday <laughs> in the morning so we're supposed to say at the beginning so when you're listening you have context yeah all right anyway thanks everybody we'll wrap it up so for uh for malcolm our producer for chris our managing editor uh i'm your host evan hughes uh will stewart and and for your off-camera observer nick brown who uh, came up with one crucial piece of information during, right during today's podcast lsu favored by four all right thanks for uh, listening and watching everybody mm-hmm.